Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is The Wisdom of Our Elders. So in June, I released The Truth About Transformation 1, part one. And in the end of July, we released part two. And I gotta tell you that you guys are amazing. I just have been so moved by the messages I've gotten and your, um, the way that you guys have reacted to these episodes, as you know, and I've shared about on Instagram, um, that it's not always easy to tell all of our stories or the ways that we are going through our awakening experience. And some of it feels downright hard to share about. And so, when we get over ourselves, right, <laughs> and, and step up and share, and people receive that with such love, it really feels amazing. And I think um, that's what life is about, is being able to get over those moments that we all have where we go, oh gosh, I don't know if I can do this, and to do it anyways, and to share ourselves, and to receive the love of other people. And so, if you loved that series, um, go ahead and share, write a review on iTunes. I read all of them and share um, what you got out of it. I would love to hear that. And I would love to um, share a little bit more too and do maybe a couple other series as we move into fall and into next year. Hello, 2020. Oh my goodness. So big. And so exciting today is this amazing episode because you're gonna wanna write me a letter about this too. The wisdom of our elders is what we're talking about. And this episode is so diverse. We've touched on so many things in this episode. And if you've never had the chance to dive into ancient cultures and to learn about their oral traditions, um, where information is literally passed down, right, through select individuals to select individuals. Well, we're going to change that. We're going to be diving into all of this. My guest today has meditated with monks. He's explored ancient civilizations. He has trekked up Mount Everest, hello, and learned to break wood boards with his hands. And he is super passionate and has this deep inner desire to understand why we're here as human beings and how he and all of us can help our planet. And he has had this amazing opportunity, which he shares about in this episode, to sit down with elders that represent the Native American culture, the Zuni culture, the Mayan culture. Each of these people have a lineage with a 20,000 year oral tradition of information that has been passed down generation after generation in regards to things like their origin, purpose in life, right? Why we're here on earth, all of these kinds of things. So my guest today is gonna share about some of these discoveries, some of the things that he's learned in sitting down with these elders. 
and how he has been able to integrate this information into his life and why at this time these elders have been willing and able to share this information with people that are outside of their culture because normally that didn't happen in the past and it's happening now and he shares why that's happening. My guest today is a one-of-a-kind author, speaker, and conscious thought leader, and he's a podcast host. His name is Matt Belair, and he believes wholeheartedly in potential, in his own potential, in your potential, and in everyone's potential. Seeing the possibilities in someone's life is his greatest gift. He knows that we can all be great, and there's nothing that makes him feel more despair than to see someone suffer or to settle for mediocrity. And nothing brings him more joy than to witness them achieve their highest potential. He has incredible vision and he sees the unignited potential in every individual he meets. Matt is truly special because he has the rare ability to help others see, believe, and create that inherent potential within themselves. So with no further ado, the soulful Matt Belair. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so I just in the intro talked about the diversity and all of the different things that you're into. And I think we decided that we would just see where this conversation goes. But one of the things that was so fascinating to me is that a friend of mine who I've also had on my show, um, Mark Gober, was on your show, which is amazing. And you guys should definitely check out uh, Matt's show as well. And um, and you were talking about so many interesting subjects. And one of the things I know you've done is travel a lot and you've had an opportunity to talk to, you know, elders and different, you know, in different areas and really be able to, I love how you say when I go down the rabbit hole, because that's what my life feels like is going down rabbit holes and, you know, just really getting into who we are, why we're here, what's the true history, um, what is our human potential, all those amazing topics. And so I hope we touch on all of them today. But I'd love to hear how this all came to be, how the pursuit of, of wanting to understand yourself better and to, you know, understand why we're here. Amazing. Yeah, all of those questions are questions that I've been pretty much asking my whole life. And training with the elders is starting right at the, the bottom of the rabbit hole. That's kind of where it's taken me over a lifetime of research. So I guess the short story for me was, I grew up a martial artist and I was just curious uh, what I was capable of and what humans were capable of. So you would look at martial artists, um, you know, and as a kid, I don't really know what's real or not when they're, uh, you look at those old school Kung Fu movies and they're smashing bricks and they're doing all these wild things. Well, you know, I'm, I'm like, okay, cool. Like I can do that. And so, you know, my dad catches me punching wood in the backyard at like six or something. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm trying to break it. And he's just like, yeah, they use softwood. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize there's a difference between hardwood and softwood. So um, it's kind of like um, just progressed from there, you know, starting in martial arts. Then I got into skateboarding, snowboarding, still curious about human potential, um, reading books on Zen and consciousness and philosophy and hypnosis and persuasion in my teens. And then became a snowboard coach. I traveled, traveled around the world um, as an international snowboard coach. I started teaching the mental game, um, things that I learned in martial arts and peak performance and things like that. And then um, I was still asking those questions. You can only learn so much from books 
And although I was still traveling heavily, I wanted to um, go and be around what I perceived to be the masters. So I went to Nepal and I meditated with monks for a month and I also studied with them. I trained uh, professional MMA in Thailand and I trekked Mount Everest and I also trained with 34th generation Shaolin masters in China who could do all those things like I saw as a kid on those movies like break stone with two fingers and bigger pieces over their head and and all that kind of thing. So it was a very extraordinary learning experience. And since then, I, I've continued to ask those questions. That's what the podcast is for, to see uh, what is actually happening on this planet. Because when I was in my teens, I knew something was wrong with the way society was run. It didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense to me that people were still dying of starvation in mass numbers when I had enough. Um, I was like, well, couldn't a group of people fix that? Right? Rice can't be that expensive. Um, and so then it got into all the conspiracy rabbit holes and you know what I could deduce from that whole thing it's just kings and queens or modern day corporations that have monetary interests and or you know you even go back a step further and you could just say you know it's big Rome um, so we do have um, you know free will and we can influence the reality but there are systems in place that kind of aren't for our benefit and that orchestrate wars and they put all kinds of stupid crap on TV and programming and all that kind of nonsense. So that leads me to exploring ancient civilizations. And I went to Egypt with Nassim Haramid and the Resident Science Foundation, um, learned about Egypt, ancient civilizations, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and eventually found the work of Native American elder David Lone Bear Senapas. And of all the wild and out there things that I've heard, he was saying the most wild and out there things. And, but the interesting thing about him was his history was oral. He had an oral tradition that was 20,000 years. So I actually spent the summer training with him. And then since then, I've also worked with Zuni elder Clifford Mahuti and a Mayan elder uh, named Carlos Barrios. And all three of them have a 20,000-year history. They're all oral, um, unbroken histories. And they're all saying similar things without them. Like They know I know each other. Um, but when they speak about their histories, it's, it's very similar and congruent. Um, with each other and it's something that's not common knowledge in uh, I would say you know western or, or European cultures it's much much older and much different and uh, very fascinating so that's kind of where the rabbit hole has taken me up until now and I still go down the YouTube rabbit hole so over the years of diving in I would like to think that I have uh, some sort of mental acuity but I don't know because you know every time I think I know something that just gets shattered and we move somewhere else so um, <laughs> it's just where I am today. It's amazing and it's so interesting. And so do each of these people have, they each say it dates back 20,000 years of oral tradition, like from generation to generation? Yes. Fascinating. Why the 20,000? I mean, is that just when they say humans started? Like, I mean, our human race started? I mean, what is the 20,000 years? It's, you know, I think the 20,000 year is, is there the, st the starting of those lineages, maybe like a, the starting of an age. And what, what I've discovered in studying with them is it's, it's like studying with Mr. Miyagi. Nothing is really straightforward with any of them. Um, you really got to earn what they tell you. Um, and then you have to piece it together. It's not like you go and then you memorize a bunch of facts and they give you the answers. It's the complete opposite. So even learning with them and the dedication it took to um, learn and, and 
and have shared with me what was shared with me took a lot of dedication, a lot of time and a lot of travel, a lot of money, a lot of sitting there um, because the tradition is very, very different than ours. You know, it's not like here, go buy my book and I'll tell you everything. It's like, no, you need to earn this. If we're going to tell you, this is our sacred knowledge. And all of the elders actually um, have a similar experience where their culture, whether it's the Mayan, uh, the Zuni or the Mi'kmaq, um, they say that they're split in their communities where some of their communities want to teach this to the world. They want the teachings out and some of them don't. They say, this is our sacred knowledge. Um, they haven't earned it. You know, we did what we did to them and all that kind of stuff. Don't share, you know, keep this to ourselves. And so that's kind of where they are with that. So to answer your question on that, I'm not exactly sure. I think from what, from the Mi'kmaq, David Lombert Senapas is who I studied with the most, who actually has pictures with the Dalai Lama, who's been around the world with like the top spiritual leaders at the time, also was a scientist and a mathematician. And I vetted his uh, math with my friend who's a mathematician and uh, made mathematical breakthroughs and said he was legit. He also has the world record for putting balloons into outer space that he built himself from these copper scrolls that were given to him from his tribe that he said are schematics. So his inventions work. His science works. Um, and he has these very uh, different histories, these very different stories, and all of them uh, speak of the sky people or the star people. And it's not, it's not exciting to them. It's just like if you knew a moose existed or a sheep existed, it's like, of course, these things exist. Um, we were actually in harmony with them at one time. And so, um, so the 20,000 year, I think, is just where their lineage um, started, like each of them. Maybe it was the starting of an age. Um, that could be it. I'm not 100% sure. Um, it's interesting. So when you, when you say like oral tradition, are there people like within their cultures, like, is it certain people within the group that this oral tradition gets passed on to? Like, even you say, you're saying like some of them, they're split. Some of them think that they should pass on what they know, these traditions with people outside their, their culture. And some people think not, but I'm wondering within the culture over these 20,000 years, were there certain people chosen from the culture to pass this along? Or was it everybody that learned this information and then passed it down to like their children or their families? That's a really great question. And the one thing that I'll say is that each of the, the indigenous cultures are different. So it's not one and the same. It'd be like saying, you know, Canadians are the same as Swedish. There might be some similarities, but they're very different. Um, you know, just like uh, Italy is very different than France or whatever. And, and how long their history is, how uh, their cultures work. But there are similarities in that sense. And the other thing that I'll caveat in saying is I'm no deep expert on this. I just know what I know from about two years and uh, of studying with the Mi'kmaq and also being around the Mayan elder, having him on my podcast, uh, visiting with him uh, for the Mayan fire ceremony in Guatemala, which I went down to recently to figure out what was going on there. You know, one of the things that I do is I show up. I, I, I am around the people that I, that I perceive and believe have the knowledge to decide for myself in person if it's legit or not. Um, so... I would say I know very little overall, but I would I know more than most. So it's a really good question. Um, and what I can say for sure for the Mi'kmaq is he was trained. Um, he spent the first 26 years of his life on the side of a mountain being taught by over 600 elders. This is his story. And this is why I started studying with him because his story was so fascinating. I wanted to know if he was telling me the truth. It was just out there. Um, so I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. And so for the Zuni, um, they, and this is actually the, the Zuni elder, he's 
I think he's the last one with the knowledge. And the Mega Man Elder might be the last one with the knowledge. And, the, and Carlos as well, he said there's very little Mayans with this knowledge left, where what it was before, it was kind of like passed down. And, you know, a bunch of people would actually have the knowledge, not just one or two. There would be a bunch. Like, there would be a bunch of engineers. There would be a bunch of teachers. There would be a bunch of uh, mechanics. Um, they'd have a bunch of people with the stories and knowledge. And now what's happened through, uh, you know, cultural – you know genocide or whatever we've done is they've actually lost that knowledge because it's not uh, their typical communities aren't what they used to be right and where do you like so for just to take it to a very like practical level because you know one of the things i is when you go down the rabbit hole so i'm very like i'm very connected to ancient civilizations i've been down many rabbit holes that blow my mind right and yet somewhere inside of me like you can feel the truth, right? Or the power in the truth. Like when you sit, I'm sure with some of these people, like, like you said, like I have to go and I have to see whether I feel like this is real and true. Cause you know, we need to be discerning like in this world, there's a lot of things that, that don't feel real and true. And, and it's like, I think we're living in a time where we really have to be able to use our intuition to feel into things and decide whether it's something that feels feels right to us not just think that like, we think it's right but does it feel right and do we feel a connection and a resonance with it and so um i think that i always am going to this place where then i'm like well what is applicable to my life today right like why am i interested in this and interested in uncovering the truths and how can we bring it back to making you know, the world a better place today or our lives a better place or understanding who we are to really step into um, what is possible for us on the, on the line of human potential in this lifetime. So because you've done so much traveling and spending time with these, with these people and diving deep into this knowledge, what do you take, when you go back home, right, what do you take back with you that you apply to your daily life? First of all, it was a really great comment, and uh, I agree with all that. I think that for, for me, it was just a personal pursuit of uh, interest. I am still curious about what is actually going on in this planet. What does it mean to be alive? What is my purpose? Uh, what you know, Really deep questions I've always been very, very curious about. So the exploration in itself was the journey, and it still is. Um, and what I might apply to my life is very different than someone else. But on the flip side, um, studying uh, human potential, peak performance, uh, law of attraction, universal laws, you know, meditation, anything like that I've probably done. Like I spent the, you know, the winter doing cold training. I was like minus 20, minus 30 in the cold water. I didn't do Wim Hof because I wanted to know what it, what it was like for me. Could I do it? You know, what's the point? What happens? Uh, meditation, I spent four months in koala habitat, reading, writing, meditating. Um, you know, so I do all those things to see what it does. And at the end of the day, I think that I got the, the greatest teaching from the Megamai elder where he, um, one of his teachings is uh, do three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do it and don't tell anyone. And it's so simple. It's so simple yet incredibly transformational. And I ask him all kinds of questions, you know, um, in his tribe before you, it, you had to go through elders um, to ask him a question. So, and, and it better be a very, very good question. And so he would only get a few questions a year uh, when he was um, basically in the Mi'kmaq community, which, he, which now he is no longer because the elders asked him to, to share the teachings and the star teachings uh, with the non-natives for the first time ever. 
So when he was in there, you would take a year to ask him a question. And I've been able to just kind of blast questions at him, which are really all around like this, you know, what's the best way? How, what's the, you know, how do I, um, you know, ascend my consciousness or past lives real? Um, how do I astral project? You know, uh, how do I manifest as law of attraction real? And he is a scientist. He is extremely grounded. So a lot of the stuff that I thought was real is actually magic trick or what I uh, call uh, black magic. So there's a guy right now out there. This is a side note, but his name's Nithyananda. And I've had a whole bunch of people ask me about him. Is he legit? He says he's an avatar. Recently, he said he's an alien. And, uh, and he says this on YouTube. You can go find it out. And because I'm curious, you know, if Jesus Christ is on the planet, I'm going to keep, I'm going to try to find him. If Buddha is on the planet, I'm going to try to find him. If Nikola Tesla is on the planet, I'm going to try to find him. And I'm going to interview them and I'll see what they're willing to share. And um, on those lines, this Native American elder is by far the most extraordinary being that I've ever met including the Shaolin monks, which were extremely extraordinary. Um, and so, you know, the Nithyananda guy, we were at the Parliament of World Religions in Toronto, and uh, David's also a magician. And so these, the three girls, you can look it up, they do uh, girls with third eye powers. And, uh, and I was aware of this because of kind of what he taught me and what I was, you know, the rabbit holes I was going down there. And I was like, I think they're doing magic trick. I think they're just doing a simple magic trick. And he stops them, right? And he's like, hey, girl, can I talk to you? And uh, he does sleight of hand, right? And he goes, okay, guess which, which hand my coin, the coin is in. But all three, you got to guess. I'm standing there and their family and their entourage is behind them. And uh, they look really uncomfortable. I'm super uncomfortable because I know exactly what he's doing. The girls are like stoked because they like magic too, not really understanding what he's doing. They guess uh, his right hand. It was a miss. I should have taken my phone out and recorded it. That's what I should have done, but I did not because I felt so uncomfortable because I was right beside the mother of these kids and she looked uncomfortable and they all looked uncomfortable. So I was trying to make small talk rather than recording this. He does it again. He gets all three of them to guess. They guess wrong again. Does it a third time. They guess wrong a third time, except for the one on the right. So the two guess wrong, and the one on the right guessed it because this time she noticed him slide the coin in his pocket. Um, the other two times they missed. And so the next day we confront them, and David said, you know, hey, um, you know, and had this crazy um, structure in Toronto at the Parliament of World Religions, which is supposed to be a sacred thing, and they're saying, um, you know, they're doing their third eye trick or whatever. And he said, hello, my name's David. May I ask you a question? He said, yes. He's like, uh, I represent 300,000 Native American people. And I went there with him to, you know, to support him and listen to the indigenous talks and things like that, which 20,000 years predates all religion and all the, and all the, and this is the thing I like to be sensitive to because I think having a religious belief is is good in a lot of ways and I think the there's fantastic communities and incredible religious people and all that stuff and it's a deep seated belief you know um, but if you look at the history of where it comes from and if you're getting a complete understanding maybe maybe there's other things that you can either go deeper or that you can question or that you can find tolerance for um, because it's a very sensitive subject um, but all three elders, and this is just their words, they say, um, there's a few things, I can't remember what the third are, but there's three things that stunt your spiritual growth. Uh, one of them is money, which makes sense. The other one is religion. And I forget what the third one was, but they, uh, that's their perspective. And from an indigenous perspective, what is, what is the modern religions done to them? You know, they've gone and they've conquered and then they said, here, take this God or that God or things like that. So that's just coming from their perspective um, and a 20,000 year history, not a 5,000 year, not a 2,000 year, 20,000. So that's just something to hold in mind. So anyway, he asked them, um, 
he's like, may I ask you a question? He's like, I represent uh, 300,000 Native Americans. Are you deceiving people? And uh, they're like, what? Oh, no, this and that. And he's like, okay, well, I'm a magician. So I'll go write something down over here and I'll give it to the girls. And if they can read it, you'll satisfy that they can actually do this. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. They've already got the paper, this and that. And he's just like, he showed me three different ways they could have done the magic trick. Um, and so that to me is what black magic is. It's, it's when, you, when you're not giving the full story to claim a certain power. And then you have influence over other people. So that is an extremely long-winded story, but the best teaching that I've, that I've had ever from him was three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do it and don't tell anyone. And no matter your age, your religious beliefs or anything, if you're actually doing those actions, he says to me, and he explained this to me over an hour and a half, that this is the fastest way to higher consciousness or, you know, he's like, whenever you guys talk about higher consciousness or fifth dimensional, anything or DNA activation, he's like, this is the fastest way to that because it requires an, uh, an action. You're in an electromagnetic universe. So it takes a uh, required action to get a result. And so that's extremely long winded and I'll let you chime in. No, I love it. I'm just sitting here because <laughs> well, I, I talk a lot in my work about frequency and about um, and how I experience people's uh, frequency shifts and how we literally in a moment can change our resonance and therefore what we, how we experience life, what we draw into our life, the way we even think and feel um, shifts along with that. And, and I feel I did an episode um, recently where we talked about I had a, um, someone who was in a program that I did because she had such a drastic shift in her energy and it happened in a split second and it was during a Zoom call where there were a lot of people on the call and she was like, I can't explain it. I can't explain it with words. I don't know how to describe what I just felt happen. And I've, of course, felt it too. And so we did a whole episode on why we can't, why it's hard to distill it down into words and even describe you know, some of these things that you know, we don't have a reference point. Like it, it's not something that in our Western culture we have, you know, our grandparents were experiencing and telling us about, right? Which is why it's so fascinating when you go into these ancient cultures for me and look at the way that the oral tradition and the way that they understood what it is to be alive and what the human experience is, because obviously everybody experiences life differently, right? From a different lens and how they, how they pass this along, right? Because I think we're in a new unprecedented time where, where this is not something, I mean, I, I, I'm gonna just make a huge generalization, so excuse it, but it's not something that everybody's lineage in the Western you know, United States, for those of us that are here, talked about all the time through generations. Now, I'll say that I did have a grandmother who was you know, intuitive and taught me about some of the stuff that I know, and I do think, some you know certain gifts travel through you know lineages um but certainly not to the level that i think we're opening up to understanding our human potential in different ways and so what i think is so phenomenal about what you just said is and this is what i find in my work all the time is that we can go down rabbit holes and we can get really expansive with like what is this world about and who are we in this you know in this global community and is the world really the way that we see it i mean you could be down that rabbit hole forever. But it's like, what are the common actions? And when you said like three kind acts a day to go out of your way and don't tell anybody, like that is something that is so accessible that every single person can do. And the fact that, that you know, he was saying that that's the fastest way to raise your consciousness because what I continue to get reminded of in my life 
on a consistent basis is simplicity and how we can really make something so much more difficult and convolute things and that that sometimes evolution is so simple that we miss seeing it and we miss seeing how we can take action on that and that momentum from that action obviously shifts energy and creates different stuff and when we're all doing that we create massive shifts and so i just have i just think that's extraordinary what you just shared yeah yeah and i i totally agree with everything that you just said and i can speak on your question from my own point of view because it's been uh, a lifelong pursuit and you know, i've gone down like as woo woo as it gets you know if, if you say that you know i do 20 circles and then um eat a pine leaf and then look at the moon for 20 days in a row and whatever i will do that protocol i get it and i see what happens and what i think is that most of those protocols are similar like it, it's an idea of like okay you've got your regular everyday Joe, and let's say unawakened as a, as a term, it's just not a great way to put it, but basically it's like you're creating by default. You get up, you do a job, you're kind of bit in what I call taskless consciousness or fear-based consciousness where, you know, it's just like, I got it. I have to do this. So I survive. Um, and it's not like, you know, I can create my reality. What do I want to create? That's what I see is like a little bit more awakened or enlightened or whatever. It's like, you, you know, you're the creator. So you can influence your reality. And so what the practical thing from, from as out there as I've ever seen to um, grounded, and that's a, what martial arts teaches you, is that, uh, you know, you just pick a worthy goal or a direction. It's not a final direction, just things that like make you happy. What would you do if you had a million dollars every single day for the rest of your life? Um, if you could positively affect one area of the world, what would that be? Um, if you could do anything, you know, what would that be? Start asking those questions and it's a process. So you start to refine that over time and you realize that you can create impact and value for others and you move towards that. And what I've been noticing a lot more lately, that's really been, um, coming home for me is that enlightenment isn't a, isn't like, uh, you know, a, a state of mind where you're in the clouds and everything is perfect and you know you're on this higher consciousness and you see ets and you communicate with multi-dimensional beings and all that kind of fun stuff um it's integrity it's showing up on time it's doing the work it's um having right livelihood um it's you know doing all this stuff you know there's this movement now that's like um you know one of my clients i was coaching she's just like you know i'm really confused right now because you know, everyone's like, you know, only do it if it's an F yes. And I was like, well, that philosophy would not work for any pro athlete ever. And I have an athletic background, you know, so yeah. Just like, it, yeah, I was like, I know what you mean and you can work towards that, but, uh, you know, training for, you know, martial arts, none of that is an F yes. What those Shaolin monks made me do was awful. <laughs> you know, that was not, that was not an F, yes, but what that did is it showed me so much more and what I was capable of. So you take the, the, the vision, like the heart vision, the inspiration, the passion, the understanding that you are the creator, then you put in the work that no one's willing to do because they want the easy way, right? You're, you put in that work, you put in those hours 
and you might not be stoked the whole time, but over time, that's the meaning, that's the enlightenment, that's showing up, that's contribution. Like you could say you work in a small town, and you're like, I really want to influence my town. You're like, okay, well, maybe start a, start a soup kitchen for your homeless people. Um, maybe build a youth center. And then over three years, you built a youth center. You actually did something. And David will talk about this all the time because we've been to Sedona, Parliament of World Religions. Um, he spoke with Clifford Mahoudi at Disclosure Fest with, you know, you got Corey Good, you got all those guys. And he goes, Matt, he's like, of all these people talking about Disclosure, we're the only, um, we're the only people with technology in space. And he has balloons in space monitoring a signal that he put up himself in poverty. And so he's just like, if you want to affect change, you actually have to, you have to do something. He's like, meditation is a part of it. He's just like, and what I've noticed with the, you know, the new agey stuff, which I like to a degree, but now I think we've gone too far. You know, it's like, it's like when I teach uh, athletes or I'm, I'm coaching or something, it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to use the law of attraction. We're going to use visualization. We're going to use affirmations. We're going to use hypnosis. We're going to use that. But we're also going to use showing up, planning and execution and working your butt off. You yes. know, like you, you can't, yes. you can't just do one. It doesn't work. No, I love what you're saying. And it's so true. And I'm always like, it, it's amazing what action does. Right. And like we said, like on, even on an energetic level, you create momentum towards something. You're creating an energetic momentum towards something when you're taking action. So it's, you know, it's funny because when we have been in a different, like I'm talking the general consciousness has been in a different place where it was very of the mental plane and of the brain and of, you know, kind of taking action on things you don't even want to be taking action on. Like you do it to make money, right? Or you do it to yeah. have some idea of success, but it's not really like a passion, right? It's not in your heart. And so then we swing to the other side, which is, you know what I mean? Just really a state of being, which I'm all about being. I'm all about, you know what I mean? Meditating. But it's like, where's the, where's the balance of these two, right? And how to take action. I call it inspired action. I know a lot of people do, but taking action from a place of like, this is, like you said, finding that thing you want to dedicate your life to, right? Or you dedicate your life to in the moment, right? Just being like, this is what feels right right now and not needing to know what's going to happen 20 years down the line. But like, I want to start taking action on this today because this feels so good to me. And I trust that along that path, I'm going to discover other things and I can pivot, right? And I can make new choices and I can find, you know, what's right for me two years down the line or five years down the line. And not getting stuck in, well, if I don't know what's going to happen in 20 years, I'm not going to take any action because I need to be certain, right, of like where this is going. Because I always say like, you know, you may, when you're standing at door A, you may see door B and C, but you probably don't see Z, right? It's like only till you get to door B and C, then do you see D and E. And then do you see, you know, it goes down the line. It's like the spiritual breadcrumbs, right, that you follow on your path and on your journey. But it all comes with like, being in continuing to discover what's authentic for you and what moves you into action. Like, I want to do this. Like, and yes, there's going to be hard work and yes, you're going to have to show up time and time again. And I think when you're on a path of real discovery and like tapping in to who you are, it's constant that you are having to show up, right. And show up in ways that you haven't probably shown up before and really starting to, you know, along the lines of human potential is you're always pushing the box, the limits of the box, right? And saying, how can I show up even more, right? Or in a different way or a way that feels more in alignment with who I am. And I'm big on showing up. I think showing up is like 
90% of it, right? Are you willing to just show up to it and show up imperfectly, show up not knowing how, not knowing, you know what I mean, what's going to happen, um, but just showing up? Yeah, I 100% wholeheartedly agree with all of that. The example that I use is that, uh, you know, our consciousness, it's like, you know, we're walking through this dark path. We have all these roads we could go. Our consciousness is our headlamp. We can only see a few steps ahead of us. But spirit or whatever you want to call that force, it knows the whole map, knows the whole thing. And so what you want to do is you want to be leading from inspiration in your heart um, and then using your consciousness to problem solve along the way. So you could have a practical job that that takes care of the bills and all that kind of stuff. But what happens is people shut off the other side completely where they just do their job. They make their ends meet. They can't see anything else. So they don't take, they don't think about what they want. Um, you know, what they would do if they could do anything, what they would do if um, they could really affect change or they get up. Like I, the, what I like to kind of reverse engineer when I'm working with people is like, what would you do if you woke up and had a million dollars deposited in your bank every day? What would you do with your time? Yeah. And we don't need that much money. We just were not thinking like that. So once they kind of open that up, I'm like, okay, cool. Like now just put, t if you're only doing 0% of that kind of thinking, you know, heart centered thinking, that's what you're supposed to do. Like the direction is from the heart and then the mind problem solves because it can only see what's in front of it each task at a time. You can't make dinner and then, you know, um, create your business plan at the same time. It doesn't work. You need to concentrate. And so the, the inspiration and the passion that comes from the heart and the, and the mind problem solves it. Yeah, it's so great. I love this conversation. I think there's so much value in some of the things that you're sharing. And I think what I would love if all of us take away from this conversation, I know I'm going to definitely take this away, are the three kind acts a day. Go out of your way. Don't tell anybody. I think committing to something like that is number one, simple to do if we just get intentional about it and absolutely creates a ripple effect that is so valuable in your own life um, as well as the lives of other people. So I just love that. And I think I love the simple tidbits that we can all start taking action on because like we talked about in this episode, it's about taking action and creating that energetic momentum. So tell people where they can find out more about you and your coaching and your show. Yeah, well, I'm glad that that's the takeaway because uh, on my show, you can find it at mattbelair.com forward slash podcast. It's the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit show. And uh, I, I ask people, I was like, if you like the podcast and you want to support, take the kindness challenge, which is three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do it for a week and don't tell anyone. And you will, you will very likely, I can't say 100%, but I have received quite a few emails of people receiving what I refer to as universal winks. Something weird yeah. will happen that only is for you and your reality that will be like, okay, that was just like way too weird to be ignored. And David spent an hour and a half sharing with me from, from an engineering and uh, like a physics perspective about why that upgrades your DNA. I have no idea what he said to me. I'm not a physicist and I'm not a scientist, but it was an hour and a half lecture of basically saying that your body's electromagnetic. When you do the action of kindness, um, your, your DNA has an antenna on it. We know that now. And what you're doing is you're holding the charge. So when you go do a kind act and then you go brag about it, you can say you did it. But the idea is like if you brag about it, you're giving away that, that charge. And so, oh, so if, cool. you, if you're holding it in, your body is now alchemizing that energy. And so you could share it as an example, but the idea is like, don't go about brag about it. You know what I mean? That kind of defeats the whole freaking purpose. And one, one act of kindness, if you can't think of one that 
I never thought of is getting people's names. People think I'm weird, you know, my friends when we hang out, but I, you know, my server, we don't get our server's name. We don't get uh, somebody who, you know, at the corner store, we don't ask their name and how they're doing. We're, we're, we're needing to be taught. And it's so interesting that these are Native American elders, right? They're teaching us how to be human again. We don't even know how to be human. We don't know how to say hello. This is bad. You know, this is yeah. bad. And so if we want to talk about a higher consciousness, we should at least know our neighbor's name, know, uh, you know, be human when we're interacting. When you see a homeless person, you know, go up and get their name. And that was another thing that he said to me. He's like, you know, you're, uh, a lot of your homeless are star travelers. And he, he says, they don't like ETs. He's just like, and I was like, really? He's like, yeah. And he's just like, where do you think, he's like, where do you think we'd go? He's like, you think we'd go to your politicians and like come back? He's like, we want to see which of you is compassionate. And he's like, that's the next upgrade for your civilization is you need to have peace. And we're so far from it. And so uh, we need to do it as individuals. And those individuals could potentially become ambassadors for something else. But it really is about um, just so simple day-to-day in your community. And that is enough. I know that when I was going down the rabbit hole and understood how the world worked and how awful it was and how much bull crap is going on, which there is an incredible amount, um, it felt overwhelming. But never underestimate what you can do just in your community and how that is enough. Just to, just to be a good human being, just to be grounded, just to have a good life, just to be simple and humble and uh, work towards things that are meaning, meaningful to you and just making an impact where you can. And that's it. That's all that's expected. And everything else is outside of you. And if you can influence it, I'm sure that you will. Um, but don't hold it over your head as like, oh, my goodness, this is no good. If you just wake up every day, uh, get people's names, are kind, do the best you can and uh, move forward in a, in a meaningful way and in an intentional way, you're doing more than enough. Oh, I love that. It's so good. So powerful. We're going to ask you the four questions now that we ask all of our guests, which I know will just take this up even another notch um, as you share your own personal journey. And I take people through a process called the anatomy of transformation. It's also at a very uh, core level energetic alchemy. And so it's the steps that we're taking in life, whether we realize it or not, um, to shift our life. And so I just think it's beneficial to understand what we're doing so that we can, like you said earlier, purposefully create our lives instead of um, creating with a tool we don't even know we're using. So the first step in it is truth. And when we come across deep inner truths, whether it's through life lessons or people or things that we are seeking to discover, um, there is a catalyst effect to that. So what is a deep inner truth that you've come across maybe recently on your journey? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, I think there are a few. One of, them, one of them that I like that's recent is no one's coming to save you, that you have to do it yourself. So no matter what struggle, whatever you're going through, from wherever you are, you can create your reality, um, but you got to do it yourself. So just take full responsibility. And um, doing so many podcasts, I, I've been trying to figure out you know, when people say woke or awakened or enlightened, what I perceive the difference is. And for me, there's just a couple of fundamentals. Number one, an enlightened person takes 100% responsibility for themselves and their lives and everything that's happened, even if it's just terrible. Because if you don't, then you're a victim and you can't be a creator. Number two, you move about and you operate in like, what can I give and contribute um, to community rather than what can I take? So if you're thinking about how you can contribute to the world and follow your passions, um, now you're going to be on a, a trajectory toward fulfillment because I don't know anybody that I've met that's super fulfilled that just thought about what they could take from people as hard as they could. So just those simple ideas I think can take you a very long way. And the other universal truth, I guess, I don't know if it's a truth, 
uh, other than an idea is just be kind to yourself the best you can because so many people are just so terrible to themselves. So be as kind to yourself and supportive to yourself as possible. Mm, I love that. So, so true. All very, very powerful. And I, I agree 100% with taking full responsibility. There's a point where that kind of really drops in for you and life then starts to look different, right? And feel different. And so let's just take the point, no one is coming to save you. The second pillar is release. And so when we come across a powerful truth, like, oh my gosh, no one's coming to save you and, and stepping into that responsibility, what was released on the other side of that? So these can be belief sets, they can be patterns, they can be literally people from your life, ways of being in the world, what was released? Yeah, so I think from that, um, you move out of like a victim mentality and and uh, more into, and it'll get you out of procrastination, out of your head and into action a little bit more, ideally, um, if, it, if it works. Because if you're always waiting for someone else to do it, then you're not taking responsibility. But then from that space of taking action, you're going to start to see the results and you're building your own raft. You're not waiting for someone else to come over in a yacht and uh, give you your career and give you your life. And you wouldn't want that anyways. We want to build it because that's where we really learn. Um, you know, everyone that I know that I've, that I see has made it in a way that they're spiritually, mentally, um, whole, they have good families or whatever the case is like success defined on their own terms. And some of them are financially successful. Some of them are successful in different ways. Um, but finances is definitely not the only way to be successful. It's more like a, you know, a, a full package, um, they, they did it on their own terms and they had their own trials and tribulations. Nobody got a free pass. Yeah, absolutely. And when you, the interesting thing, and here's where the action comes in is like, after you release the victim mentality, which is huge, because I always say, we think of victim mentality as like, you know, really extreme cases of it or people that, you know, but we all have it to some degree in some area. And it's like kind of running under the surface sometimes. Like we don't necessarily say, oh, I have victim mentality, um, but it sneaks in in mo the most interesting ways. And so when you step into that full responsibility um, and that kind of that victim mentality, or you start to see the little areas where it creeps in and you start to get more aware around that and not have that be as present, um, your experience of life changes, which is the third pillar. And you start to literally take action in ways that you haven't before. And sometimes it's, you know, moving through the fear of taking certain actions. Sometimes it's getting over the procrastination like you brought up. But what happens when you are firmly rooted in 100% responsibility, the victim mentality starts to kind of dissolve for you and the procrastination. What was your experience of life? Like, how did that start to evolve and change as far as what you're doing in your daily life and how you are making choices? Well, that's a really great, you know, like, um, process. Like I, I see everything that you're talking about and I a hundred percent agree with it. What's kind of unique from my perspective of being interviewed on podcasts and things like that is I have always had the same mentality. So it's always been the same way. So for me, um, kind of trying to recognize the difference is that like you, if, what happens is that if you're going to die and I've had like three, four near death experiences, um, you feel like, like you're moving in a way that you're designing your life. You feel more fulfilled. You don't feel like you figured everything out um, by any means, but you, you're like giving your, your best shot on your own terms. So you feel way more empowered. Um, even if it's ugly, if you did, you know, a terrible job on paper, but you tried your best and it was towards something uh, meaningful, you feel more empowered and you feel more fulfilled. So um, my, my 
story is only a little bit unique because people would always ask me like, what's my awakening experiences or where, where did I shift as like, I've always been like this. I've just been um, really curious about what I'm capable of. What's the meaning of life? What are humans capable of? And I, and I look at what is it that I want to do most? What do I want to learn the most? What do I want to experience the most? And I go towards that first. Um, and, and as intensely as I can. And then from that, the next experiences unfold. Yeah, so awesome. Following the breadcrumbs like we talked about. And and trusting, you know, I would probably, I'm just going to venture to say, you probably trust that process, right? Which allows you to then kind of just surrender to what is. Like, okay, I'm going deep into this right now and taking action and showing up to it. And I know that the next door opens up or the next point of awareness is going to come at some point. And then I'll go deep into that, right? And just knowing, because I think some people get afraid, like, what's going to happen next? Or, you know, is this going to be forever? Or is this going to, you know, and that fear can kind of really keep us, you know, in victim mentality and procrastination. And so you probably trust that process, right? Yeah, that's a really good uh, point because I do. I've, you know, if I laid out each thing that I've done, like how I, you know, have done each thing and where I was, let's say financially or what I had as like the known, very, very little. It's massive leaps of faith and, unfortunately you know you think you would you would do these leaps of faith and it would get easier they actually seem to be bigger leaps of faith um but you have more uh certainty that the universe is gonna pick you up and i've seen and that's how the universe you're like oh my god there is something you know like i yeah i I have story after story of just like my friends are like i cannot believe you did that like that and i was like well you know it's like but that's how you see the universe move um in incredible ways and you're like okay like there is something to this it's but it's congruent it's not like i don't know it's not like you just go do something and you wait for the universe to show up it's like no this is the action i know i need to take and i need help and you just do it and you ask for help so yeah 100 percent, and that's the challenge because it is it's 100 percent frightening but like i said nobody that i've met didn't have some sort of leap of faith you know what i mean they, they had to kind of take that plunge Absolutely. And this leads us right into the fourth pillar, which is a line, which is, you know, what is it for you, be it practices, be it the way you live your life or the way you see life that keeps you in this alignment where you are willing to keep showing up, where you are willing to keep taking those leaps of faith, right? And trusting the process. Are there things that you attribute to this is how I stay in alignment or feeling good in my life? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think that you need to bring joy into your life and fun. So, you know, there's always something that I like to grow at or want to get better at or enjoy. So, you know, I'm usually traveling. Uh, a lot of the time I'm snowboarding. I'll have skateboarding. I'll have some things in my life that I really enjoy doing. And I think like it's, you know, Alan Watts said, you know, once you realize you're going to die, uh, life is either, either a serious game uh like a serious endeavor or a game, you know what I mean? You can, you can do it with joy and dance and sing and play. And, and when you look at life, you realize like, you don't know anything. You look at a four-year-old kid and what are you going to tell them? Like read a spirituality book. Um, you know, you need to do some self-help. It's ludicrous. And so why are we doing this so hard as adults at the same time? Like we are connected to spirit. We are whole, we are perfect. We can learn a lot about our psychology and we do get messed up, you know, mentally with manipulation, but also at the same time, remember you're a kid. You don't know what's going on. Physicists. I've talked to a bunch of physicists. They have no idea what's going on. You know, so yeah. when you kind of like, 
get to explore and not make life so freaking serious, which is something like I'm saying all this stuff. I practice all this all the time. I am like, I'm doing this as ugly as anyone. I can assure you. Um, but I come back, I can, I come back with those reminders. You know what I mean? Like, okay, Matt, like stop beating yourself up, you know? All right. Stop being lazy today. You know what I mean? Whatever the case is. And, and sometimes I'm great and sometimes I'm terrible. Um, but it is those reminders that like, if you can just remember to have, you know, what do you want to work towards? You know, what are things that make you happy? How do you want to contribute? And so, you know, as long as that I, and I think journaling is a, is a helpful thing, but I'm congruent in my direction, you know, like I kind of know where I'm going and I know how I'm trying to contribute and I know how I'm trying to help. And so that kind of keeps me aligned. So journaling really helps with that. And, you know, you know, what's your dream, what's your passion, what's your purpose, what's your mission? Um, you know, what are you doing? And so when you keep asking those questions over and over, which I do all the time, it keeps me aligned in, in the sense of what I'm working towards that it's not in vain. It's of my own choosing. Mm, I love it. So powerful. And what came to me when you're like, physicists don't know what's going on. It's like, isn't it freeing to just think about getting up in the morning and be like, no one knows what's going on. No one has the answers, right? We may as well play and experience life and tap in and understand ourselves better. It just kind of frees you up from thinking you need to know, right? Because we have this disease where we feel like we need to know everything and we don't. We just need to, like you said, show up, be kind, you know what I mean? Extend yourself to people, learn, grow, and that's enough, right? That's everything. And that literally transforms our frequency and transforms our life and the people around us. Matt, you're a rock star, my friend. This was absolutely joyous and so fun and full of like actionable things we can all do in our life. So thank you for coming and hanging out with us. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you for what you're doing and contributing and uh, following your passion and, and getting the words out there. And uh, um, for anybody who wants to, I have um, a, a hypnosis that I do for people. That's like, uh, it basically hypnotizes you into your heart to figure out like a life path. And it's not a life purpose. It's more of a direction. And it's the best thing that I've had and, and used for people to just basically kind of get them started. Cause so many people have no idea what they want to do. Like, I have no idea. It's like, here, do this. It just hypnotizes you into your heart and asks you a series of questions. So use your heart intelligence over your mind because your mind can only see so far. So if people want that. They can go to um, mattpelier.com masters dash of dash flow, and you'll get my ebook and that heart journey experience. And, uh, you know, hopefully if you're trying to figure out your own alignment, it's something that I use, I use for myself as well, um, just to kind of realign you know, and, and just see things from a different perspective. So if they want that, they can download it for free there. Awesome. We will put that in the show notes as well at thesoulfrequency.com. Thank you again. This was so much fun. Great information. Looking forward to more. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day. I'm Shauna Lee, and you've been listening to the Soul Frequency Show podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the soul frequency. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes.